sir. I want some more. What? Oliver Twist has asked for more. For more? You know you've got no father or mother and that you were brought up by the parish. Yes, sir. Christian Carguy Radio Show. I say this calls for action, and now, nip it in the bud. Nip it in the bud. You got to nip it in the bud. And mine's Jack Dawkins. Better known to only more intimate friends as the Artful Dodger. Pleased to meet you, Mr. Dodger. Sure the old gentleman won't mind. Mind? Consider yourself at home. Consider yourself one of the family. I've taken to you. So strong, it's clear we're going to get along. Consider yourself well in. Consider yourself part of the furniture. There isn't a lot to spare. Who cares whatever we got we share? Consider yourself our mate. We don't want to have no fuss. We can stay Consider yourself one of us today on the Christian Car Guy Show. And considering ourselves one of us, well, I've got Bill Mixon with me today. And Good morning. Bill, you want to consider our part of us too? Well, I do. It's just a pleasure to have been with you all these years. Really? It's been almost 11. But you have for us today on this idea of consider yourself one of us. Well, I was thinking that it's hard for us to believe anybody loves us or cares for us more than we love or care for ourselves. And I was hoping that fit in with your topic. It does fit. It fits so well, because no doubt that Charles Dickens, who wrote Oliver Twist, if you're not familiar with it, but it's an amazing book that was later made into a musical and certainly has been several movies. But Oliver Twist kind of encapsulates the orphan spirit, that idea that I'm all alone in the world, right? That no one really cares. If, if it's going to get done, I've got to do it. It's up to me. Well, honestly, when I think about that, that's how I felt when I prayed. That is up until this Monday morning that I felt like when I, it was me and God, it was just me and God. So my normal morning, as many know me, you know, I hope to be up at 4 a.m., feed the animals, get my coffee, and be praying by 4.15. And fortunately, that was the case this Monday. And I was praying along the lines of the daily prayer that I spoke about in my show a year or so ago, and it's posted, you know, of course, at ChristianCarGuy.com under my daily prayer. But when I got to the part that says, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me, well, lately, just based on the shows that I've done this year, I imagine myself rising like Solomon, right, when you're getting a lift from a lion and then placed in the father's lap for an intimate time of anointing, as I described in an article I wrote on the 23rd Psalm, also at ChristianCarGuy.com. So Monday, I was delighting in the father, and I looked up and I asked, you know, I said, can I ask you a question? <laughs> and the father just kind of laughed at me with approval, and I asked him, I said, am I the only one up here, up here in your lap? And I don't think words could really describe the gleam that was in his eye or the joy that I could describe in his face as he says to me, 
Robbie, I'm so glad you asked that question. And then it was as if a veil was lifted, and I became aware that everyone I cared about was there. In God's lap, right? My wife, my children, my grandchildren, my dear friends, even some that weren't so dear to me, but multitudes, I mean multitudes, were there. And when I became aware of it, I realized that the veil that was keeping me from seeing this was that orphan spirit. Yeah, the orphan spirit, the one of the greatest evils in my idea that befalls mankind, that feeling that Jesus cried out from the cross, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? And almost immediately while I'm having this discussion with God, all of a sudden I remembered, oh yeah, that Jesus, when he taught us to pray, he did it in the plural, right? You're not alone, our Father, right? Give us this day, right? Forgive us as we forgive others. And I also noted that in Daniel's prayer, in Daniel chapter 9, you know, if you read that prayer, you'll see Daniel starts talking about in verse 5, we have sinned, we have committed iniquity, we have acted wickedly, we have rebelled. All those, you can see Daniel is praying plurally, as Nehemiah does in chapter 1, right? And if you look in that, chapter 1 of Nehemiah, you're going to see something similar where he says, we have sinned against you. And our whole ancestral house has sinned against you. We have acted corruptly against you. We have not kept the mitzvah, the statutes, or the rulings that you commanded your servant Moses. So now, <laughs> with a little understanding of that prayer and that idea of, I mean, if you really think about when you're praying with God, do you picture yourself alone or do you picture it's we? Do you consider yourself one of us? So with an understanding of the antidote for the orphan spirit, that I think was gained by ingesting Charles Dickens' Oliver Twist, Martin Horsey and Kent Hampshire, Keith Hampshire, wrote the lyrics, Consider Yourself. So now I'm going to read these to you, and I want you to think about these as I read them. Consider yourself at home. Consider yourself one of the family. We've taken to you so strong, it's clear we're going to get along. Consider yourself well in. Consider yourself part of the furniture. There, I love this line. There isn't a lot to spare. Who cares? Whatever we got, we share. If it should chance to be, we should see some harder days, empty larder days. Why grouse? Always a chance we'll meet somebody will foot the bill. <laughs> then the drinks are on the house. Consider yourself our mate. We don't want to have no fuss. For after some consideration, we can state, consider yourself one of us. So are we alone when we pray? I think not. But how about your driving? <laughs> you know I might be going to somewhere with all this, right? So do you consider it you against every other driver out there, or is this a team effort? I mean, we all need to get places by helping traffic flow. We can enjoy the fellowship of the Father's delight. We really can can you imagine how delighted he is when he sees us realize that we are considering ourselves part of the family? So as an opportunity to take the orphan spirit, next time you're behind the wheel, right? Remember these lines from Oliver Twist. We don't want to have no fuss. For after some consideration, we can say, consider yourself one of us. Wow. So what are your thoughts on being alone in the world or part of the family of God. 
What does all this conjure up in you? I've had such amazing callers over the last few weeks. I'm so excited about what you might bring to me today on this subject. 866-348-7884, 866-34-TRUTH. And it's kind of cool for me to be able to share this particular show with my good friend Bill Mixon. Because you are one of us. <laughs> yeah, I've been around for a while. We, we started together. <laughs> you were kind enough to let me come on. Yeah. Yeah, but well, your point is is well made. And when I, I think about how it encompasses the Lord's Prayer, I go explain. Well, somebody told me once that we stop reading the Lord's Prayer before we're supposed to. And I said, what do you mean by that? He said, it was a letter. Nobody stops reading in a letter. I said, yeah, but what's your point? He says, right after the Lord's Prayer, it says, for if you. That's not the number four. It's F-O-R. It's I ran out of gas for I didn't fill my tank. I didn't fill my tank before I left my money at home. It means because. Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer. He said, because if we forgive others when they purposely, maliciously set out to do us bodily, it says, if you forgive others when they sin against you, then your heavenly Father will forgive you. And when I'm in the jail, I'll say to the guys, what type of sin is forgiven? And almost always, like, yes, it's all sin. I said, no. If all sin were forgiven, Satan's going to greet us in hell, heaven, that all repentant Sin is forgiven. Jesus said he came so that repentance and forgiveness of sins would. Well, if you're holding anger against somebody else, you obviously haven't repented. So Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer to teach us how to forgive others. And I tell them in the jail, it doesn't have anything to do with the others. Most of the people we're ticked off at in this world don't know who we are. That officer that locked you up doesn't know who you are. It's the people. When we forgive others, we learn how to forgive ourselves better. And the better we are at forgiving others and ourselves, the better we can love others. And we can't believe anybody loves us or respects us more than we love or respect ourselves. And most of our loneliness in life comes from sitting there thinking about nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I should go eat snails. We've got to That's overcome that. That's not fast food, according to the family. Well, I don't know. Maybe in France. <laughs> Snails, you know. It's not fast food, Bill. It isn't. But we <laughs> you'll never see it at a fast food restaurant. When we come back, I am excited about your call. Come on now, this is welling up something inside of you. 866-348-7884. 866-34-TRUTH. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Truth Network and truthnetwork.com. Here's a Renewing Your Mind Minute with Dr. R.C. Sproul. What are you trusting in for eternal life? If you're trusting in the church, you're in trouble. It's a false sense of assurance. If you're trusting in your own righteousness, you're in trouble. That's a false sense of assurance. What if you say, well, what I'm really trusting in is grace? Be careful. Why? Isn't that the ticket? Isn't that the answer that I must rest ultimately on the grace of God alone? Yes! But be careful how you understand grace. We have to say, yeah, I can only get into heaven by the grace of God alone. I recognize that. I'm a sinner. Only grace will save me. But if God's really gracious, he'll certainly include me. He owes it to me. If God is just, he'll be gracious to me. And I've confused justice and grace. Grace is when you get something you don't deserve. 
For today's special offer, visit RenewingYourMind.org. Hey, this is Bob Olszewski. Thanks for listening to Plugged In. We have a job to do, and you're coming with us, Spider-Man. In the movie Spider-Man Far From Home, Peter Parker, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, is going on vacation. But bad guys? Hmm, they don't take a holiday. This latest Marvel Universe chapter is a web-slinging adventure filled with tons of entertaining action. And there's a lot of self-sacrifice and heroism in the heavy-hitting mix. But teen deceit rude humor, and some rough-edged language can hit below the belt, especially for parents of younger superhero fans. I'll give the new Spider-Man a 3 out of 5 for family friendliness. Check out the full review at PluggedIn.com radio. Plugging you into the movies, I'm Bob Olaszewski for Focus on the Family's Plugged In Movie Review. Consider yourself at home. Consider yourself one of the family. We've taken to you so strong. It's clear we're going to get along. Consider yourself willing. Consider yourself part of the furniture. There isn't a lot to spare. Who cares whatever we got we share. So, we are talking about Consider Yourself, one of us today on the Christian Car Guy Show. And so, Bill, I can't help but think about this moment of a car accident, right? And all of a sudden, I don't know if you've noticed, but all of a sudden, fingers start pointing. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can interview four people that were in the same accident and be pretty sure they were in totally different states. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, this is a difficult place to where you consider yourself one of us. Um, you know, and, and which, by the way, this happens in life quite frequently. But there you are, right? And you're absolutely certain that that other person ran the red light or that you're absolutely person that, certain that that other person was speeding or you're absolutely certain that... I think of two personal experiences that fit your... <laughs> <laughs> so... You know, let's, let's see if we can practically apply this, uh, because what you described, I think, is absolutely accurate. Like, oh, my goodness, like you're all of a sudden in a situation where you got to forgive, right, that person that literally put your life in danger because they were speeding or they were texting while they were driving or whatever in the world happened, or you got to forgive yourself because you were the one that was speeding or texting while you were driving or, or whatever the situation is. By Which, by the way, I, you know what I learned that to the, this week? Is that the police now, at least in the state of North Carolina, they have the right to take your phone and see if you were texting at the particular time of the accident. Or, if, you know, they can they can pull those records, and it's a little incriminatory, you know. Or, or that's probably not a word. Incriminating. <laughs> uh, you know, that just, sort of sounds like they're going to turn you into a crispy critter and spread your ashes somewhere, but... But nonetheless, so here we are. We're in a position to forgive immediately. That's tough. Uh, and you know, there are, I'm not sure there are too many people that can forgive immediately, but that's where we want to get to. It's a situation, in my mind, it's a spiral up. So if I learn how to forgive someone else a small injustice, then I can learn how to forgive myself, and I can learn how to forgive others better, and then I can 
use that to help love, I can learn to love somebody a little bit more. And that, in my mind, starts off with forgiveness. And then I can learn how to love myself more. We're usually trapped looking back at our lives, at the mistakes we made. And Jesus came to tell us that we've got a loving and caring Father in heaven. And God came to say that not only will he forgive a repentant sin, he will totally forget a repentant sin. And I always think that the reason he chose instead of locking it away to forget it is that we're supposed to get a point to our life where we don't beat ourselves up for the mistakes that we made in the past. And the better we are doing that, only then are we capable of understanding we've got a God in heaven, a daddy in heaven, Abba Father, that loves us so much that he's not keeping a record of our sins, that he wants us to come to him and lay those transgressions at his feet. Well, there's the, there's the deal. And, you know, I don't know, when you get into deep healing, and, and John Owen sp- spoke of it in the uh, Communing with the Triune God, he made a statement that is forever in my mind. He said, there was a deep cleansing of the blood of Christ. And and it's one thing to say, Jesus forgave me for, you know, burping at the table or whatever. But it's it's another thing to say Jesus forgave me for that absolutely despicable thing that I was doing, you know, on the internet or that absolutely despicable thing that I was, you know, accusing my brother of, or that despicable way that my pride got in the way of, you know, and, and I can remember confronting Jesus with those things in repentance and saying, but I'm guilty. I'm guilty. And him saying, Robbie, didn't I pay enough? I mean, isn't there, and and therein lies, I think, exactly your point, that when I got to the point where I could receive that forgiveness, receive the blood of Christ, where I really felt like the lady caught in adultery who, you know, where are your accusers, Robbie? If I'm standing here and I'm Jesus, (laughs) who can accuse you? You're covered under the blood there. But the, the interesting thing of that statement is if you're standing there, that person just ran a red light. They were texting while they were driving, and they almost injured your family. But let's just say that, that you know, fortunately that did not happen. There you are right that minute. Now, if that person will repent like you just described and become under the blood of Christ, then you better not be one of their accusers because Jesus is going to say, well, you go ahead and toss the first rock there, Bill. Well, I I wish I could remember his name, but we had a city councilman one time who his children were walking down the street, little children, and a lady came driving down and killed one of them. And the story was from people watching that he was there loving on the lady that ran over his child while his wife was taking care of the other child. To have that level of faith, to have that level of love, to be able to forgive that that much, you know, I hope that I'm moving in that direction. You know, before there was the radio show, there was Christian Businessmen's Committee, and we did a book called Transforming Grace by Jerry Bridges. I remember. And, you know, that book, that's the second most important, most powerful, life-changing book that I ever read, and I will forever be appreciative to you and Christian Businessmen's Committee for letting me discover that book. And anybody out there that's having a hard time trying to to give up 
the problems that come along with the transgressions that we carry along with us. I tell the guys in the jail, it's like a 50-pound bag of regrets. And every step we take, that bag pops us in the rear end. (laughs) And that bag prevents us from being able to recognize the people around us that are hurting and need help because as long as we're struggling with that 50 pound bag we don't have the energy or the attention to see and become the ambassadors for christ to be a light on the hill in a time of refreshing we've got to come to a point in our walk where we learn to forgive ourselves and then we can appreciate that all loving and caring daddy that we have wow now I know this conjuring up something in you. We would love to hear your version or something you think, but question you have for Bill or me, 866-348-7884, 866-34-TRUTH. we got so much more, but it will be more if you call. Oliver Twist has asked for more. For more! You know you've got no father or mother and that you were brought up by the parish. Yes, sir. Consider yourself at home. Consider yourself one of the family. We've taken to you. Consider yourself one of us today on the Christian Car Guys show. One of us meaning one of those in the body of Christ. And do we feel alone with the orphan spirit like Oliver Twist? Or do we feel like we consider ourselves one of us? Which, by the way, that young man who was singing in, as the um, <laughs> was from uh, Britain's Got Talent or whatever. that You know, like America's Got Talent, only that this one was Britain's Got Talent. And so he was wanting to sing the part of an artful dodger in Oliver Twist for that particular one. But speaking of the orphan spirit, and we've been speaking about that, and we don't want to miss your call. We really don't. 866-348-7884 is a number to call in and share a comment or a question or whatever you're thinking today. 866-348-7884. So speaking of the orphan spirit, the Jesus labor love you may know part of the Christian Car Guy show, it's there at christiancarguy.com, is the Jesus Labor Love, which is directly aimed at the issue of orphans. Because, you know, single moms, widows, and families in crisis. And, I, you know, there are a lot of, if you think about what Oliver Twist happened, I mean, what a sad story. Charles Dickens, you may be a bit familiar with him in that you've seen the Christmas Carol at one point in time, or maybe even heard the Christian Car Guy Theater's version of a Christmas Corolla. <laughs> but anyway, he wrote Oliver Twist. And part of the reason he understood the orphan spirit the way he did was, unfortunately, when he was about 10 years old, his father was arrested for a debt and thrown in prison. And so he was forced to go work in one of those workhouses that were described by Scrooge. <laughs> you know, are there no workhouses? You remember that line from the, 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 the movie or from the book? 
And he went and worked in one of those workhouses. Actually, his mother had sent him there. And he got a feeling of what that was like for six months. Interestingly, his father got somehow or another negotiated with the people, got taken out of prison, somehow or another got his son out of the workhouse, and somehow or another got him involved in, I mean, sent to, you know, some, uh, a, you know, a boarding type of school that was a good school for, for young Dickens. But he had that period of time where he got to see what it was like to be an orphan. He, he got to meet, in fact, he met an Oliver Twist character. He, he took that name from that time when he was actually in that workhouse when he was 11 years old. So there are kids today, I assure you they are, that are right there, they're hungry. Their mom, their single mom, you know, or maybe they're orphans, and, and, and they can't get a ride to the doctor. I know because I'm, I'm taking these calls every week. And it's amazing to me, sometimes they don't have the gas to get to work, to make the money, I mean, when you, when you listen to some of these stories, and I realize that there's a lot of bad choices that were involved in it. And if you read Oliver Twist, you know, his mother obviously was a single mother. She wasn't even married when she, you know, she had him in this workhouse. I mean, the stories are sad that the people make bad choices, but the obvious situation is, you know, we're in a situation where, you know, God's given us. And so think about this. There isn't a lot to share. Who cares? Whatever we got, we share. I mean, that's what that's right there from the song. Well, it's the same thing with the Jesus labor love. I'd just point out that, you know, when I worked for the United Way, I noted it was the, the people that made the least amount of money who gave the most to the United Way. And, and I have seen that exact same thing with the Jesus labor love. And it's just fascinating to me that I can go to car dealers that own chains of car dealerships that could help the Jesus labor love tremendously, but they usually won't give me the time of day. But this little independent shop that really is struggling to pay his own payroll is the guy who goes out on a limb to help the Jesus labor love customers. Or, you know, the single mom herself who's struggling that sends me $500 and I, I'm, I'm almost speechless with the generosity sometimes of the single mom's widow's that give back to the Jesus labor love. So along those lines, I just wanted to point out, we now have these t-shirts. So for a gift of any amount to the Jesus labor love, we will send you out a t-shirt. Their size is right there at christiancarguy.com. The idea being that, I don't know if you're aware, but we have no <laughs> administrative cost with the Jesus labor love. It's an all volunteer army, mostly me, <laughs> but you know, well, I shouldn't say all the car repair guys that do that. I'm not one of them. And, and they're the ones that are doing that. And they are doing it out of the goodness of their heart sometimes. And sometimes we're paying to help get it done so that, that we can get it done. But it's happening through your gifts and every penny that is donated, every penny that goes for a T-shirt or whatever is all going to go right back to single moms, widows and families in crisis. And we hear them all the time, you know. And so we would love, 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 love for you to, to pray with us. I mean, you know, like we talked about in the beginning, that we're not praying alone. We're not in a vacuum, you know, that, that God is there, but also our fellow believers. As we pray for the Jesus labor love, there's a whole team that's coming alongside of us. Right, Bill? Absolutely. And, you know, I'm sure you're seeing this in the jail ministry. Same kind of thing that the people that give 
their time and whatever, their treasure, whatever we got, we share. The, the people that I see do the most are very humble people financially, and it just amazes me. I could tell you some stories, but we don't have time. I would have time to hear one story. Well, I've got a dear friend who's almost 70 who does more in a week than most churches do. And he's just a wonderful, wonderful fellow with um, reasonable background and you know normal job going through, but in his retirement, just gives and gives and gives. A lot of the Gideons I know are just absolutely wonderful fellows that give dozens of hours a week and lots of money to make sure their Bible's everywhere. Right, and the idea, again, is fascinating to me that I really sense in my own mind that as we pray, we're sitting there in an orphan spirit. I have many, many times. You know, as as you climb the corporate ladder, you think it's it's me, 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 right? If I'm going to get up, I've got to be the one that's, you know, i got to pick my, myself up by my bootstraps. <laughs> yeah. Those look like tennis shoes to me, Rob. <laughs> but see, interestingly, it's not us that raise ourselves up, right? It's 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 God that eventually will raise you up. Only if you let him. Right, if you take the lowest seat. But if you jump up there in the highest seat, you know, it won't be long and and they're going to find a way, you know, God allows people to knock you back down to where actually it is that you belong, and so well, you don't receive because you, you you don't seek, and part of it has to be that you've got a wonderful relationship with your daddy, and you know that he's got wonderful things in store for you. There are lots of people stumbling around and don't accept what God's got right in front of them because they don't feel they're worthy, they don't feel loved in themselves, and they don't look for all the blessings that God has for them. And so you, you may be sitting there thinking, Robbie, I, how could we pray for you? Okay, how can we pray for the Jesus Labor Love? How could we pray for the Christian Car Guy radio show? Well, here, here's a prime example. I mean, I had an I- I- issue that happened this week. This lady had come to us a year and a half ago, and we'd helped her. And then she came back to us six months later. <laughs> And once again, we tried to help her. Now here it is six months later, and here she comes again. And as she's describing how her car is and, and, the, and these things that it needs are all maintenance items that, you know, if people take care of their cars, in my mind, they, those are things that should not necessarily have had to be done again. But here we are, and the car needs it, and she's talking about the brakes, and she's talking about this and that. And then she says, oh, by the way, you're going to have to tow it because it's out of gas. <laughs> um, and at this point in time, I'm really struggling. I, I, I am struggling like, oh, my goodness. You know, what? where does my responsibility start and where does my responsibility end? Now, I, I honestly have not yet resolved this particular issue. But I'm just saying, when you're faced up with these things, how do you consider yourself one of us in that situation? And what's the best way to love on that lady? I mean, sometimes it's to say no, but I'm trying to figure out exactly how to do that. So 
We could use your prayers. We could use the donations to Jesus Labor Love. We got free t-shirts, but most of all, we could use your phone call for this last segment, 866-348-7884. You're listening to The Truth Network and truthnetwork.com. Do you want to send a beautiful sympathy card? Consider yourself one of us today on the Christian Car Guy Show. We've been talking about antidotes for essentially the orphan spirit, that feeling like, man, I got to get this done on my own. There's nobody really cares about me. I'm in it by myself. That sense of, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? That, you know, you can imagine that Charles Dickens had that sense when his father was put in prison and he went to work in the workhouse um, and then begin to see that song or read the book, Oliver Twist, and you can see that he understood what it meant to consider yourself part of the family, consider yourself one of us. And so along those lines, I was just marveling at the whole concept of communion, right? Which if you think about it, there's this like C-O-M-M, calm, and then union, <laughs> which is like community that's in union. And then when you read what Paul wrote to these folks in Corinth, in Corinth you know, <laughs> a little bit of shenanigans, he's kind of given us an idea of what the orphan spirit looks like in a church, because here he goes. It's the beginning of, you know, 1 Corinthians 11, where he's talking about communion, verse 17. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you because when you come together, it's not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat, for in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal, one goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? <laughs> I love the way he said it. Just throw it out there. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. And then, right, then you hear the familiar part of the Lord's Supper. For what I received from the Lord, I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. Which is a beautiful part of communion, that Jesus broke that bread before he gave it to him. And he said, and here we, this is the consider yourself one of us part, right? When, when you're in communion, when you're taking communion, you're you're in Christ, and this is what Paul said, here's what it isn't, and then he comes back and he says, this is what it is, that you're taking this body that was broken for you. And in the same way, he took the cup after saying, this is a cup in, in the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, 
you proclaim, proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So if you can picture a church that truly is getting the picture of this, right? <laughs> that what we talked about earlier in John Owen's book, Communing with the Triune God, of this deep cleansing of Jesus's blood, what, what Bill described is if we begin to forgive ourselves, then we can forgive others and as we forgive others, you know, it's, it's like you say, it's a spiral. It keeps going up to where now, wow, I can begin to, you know, let that guy in in traffic. Or I can, you know, maybe put my arm around the guy that just cut me off somehow. You know, I, I, you know all these things are difficult. But obviously it's grace that's attractive. And when, you, when people see grace in you, even though it's... Easier said than done, and believe me, you're not looking at somebody who's full of grace all the time. (laughs) And my kids would tell you very quickly if they rode with me for, you know, 10 minutes that, you know, Rob, I can get all jazzed up into what's in it for me. I think all of us have this tape recorder in us that when we were little, anytime someone said something mean or hateful to us, or mean or hateful to those around us, you're worthless, you'll never amount anything, I don't understand you, that those things get trapped in us. And at the wrong times, that tape recorder comes on. And it makes us feel little, and it makes us feel small. That, and when we say really awful things, or even think really awful things about other people when we're looking down on them, when we're thinking that that gives us license to play that tape recorder. And that tape recorder is what prevents us from being able to feel loved and to accept that we've got an all-loving God. And that Paul came along to say, think about what's noble, what's true, what's lovely, what's admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things, and then the peace of Christ will be with you. That We've got to change the thought. I tell them in the jail, it's like flushing a commode. You've always got the ability to put clean water in that Paul talks about, you know, a match can start a giant fire, that one wrong word can do great damage. too bad Paul didn't have toilets in his day to be able to use that as a metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can't can't get fresh water or salt water out of the same well. Yeah, I'm getting the picture completely. (laughs) We've got to get hold of that voice, and we've got to quiet that voice down or shut that voice up. And every time we use those thoughts to belittle somebody else, every time we use those thoughts to belittle ourselves, we empower ourselves in the wrong direction. It's that old story about the Indian that was asked, I've got these two dogs in me, and one of them is vicious and mean and evil, and the other one's loving and caring, and I'm trying to figure out what to do and he says feed the good dog we've got to when those bad thoughts come we've got to put christ in the middle of our thoughts we've got to set aside those unchristian thoughts and the more that we get used to doing that the more that we wake up in the morning and say i'm going to say something that builds up people today i'm going to say something that makes people feel better about who they are i'm going to say something that makes people motivated well, you you motivated me. I got to tell you, this whole idea of flushing the commode. 
<laughs> because I, I, you know, that is so graphic. I can picture that completely like, oh my gosh, my mind gets totally filled with stuff that needs to get flushed. How do you, how, the question is what triggers you to flush it? Well, Paul says when that bad thought comes, <laughs> when that bad thought hits you, you've got to replace that bad thought with a good thought. And in my mind, what's noble and righteous and pure is scripture. We've got to have some scripture tucked away that we pull out as soon as those thoughts that we know are heading us in the wrong direction. And my favorite is that I'm chosen and holy and dearly loved by God. And when I'm thinking that thought that I shouldn't think, when I'm heading down the wrong road with those thoughts, I pull out that rock wall. I'm chosen and holy and dearly loved by God. And I can repeat that as many times as I need to, to remember that with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, lift up your request to God. And the peace of Christ, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And if I can remember that I can always start talking to God. I can share with him the concerns I've got. I can share with him the anger, the lust that I'm dealing with, that God will come into that conversation and it will help me get through and in and a more centered it's time a flush. To flush. Yes, sir. You know, Santa flush. <laughs> Paint a picture that sticks. <laughs> it's stuck. <laughs> I'm probably never going to forget this one as long as I live. I may have to create a, 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 some kind of a Christian car guy show around this particular concept. It's so beautiful. It's really wonderful. Well, thank you all for listening to the Christian Car Guy Show. Remember, Jesus, labor, love. Car repair, labor for single moms, widows, and families in crisis. Those are folks that are struggling. Again, you can get a free T-shirt for a gift of any amount. Go to ChristianCarGuy.com. And it'll pick your size, all that stuff, for, like I said, for a gift of any amount to the Jesus labor love. Remember, slow down. Jesus walked everywhere he went and got it all done in 33 years. And don't forget the flush. <laughs> You're listening to The Truth Network and truthnetwork.com. How to reach over 200 million people in Africa. Africa needs Jesus. So what are we doing about it? True Commentary with Stu Epperson, author of the book, Last Words of Jesus. This is a True Commentary give back. That's right. We're dedicating this True Commentary to our friends at Trans World Radio who are trying to build a 200,000-watt transmitter tower right in the middle of Nigeria, which will reach over 200 million people with the good news of Jesus Christ. How can you be a part of it? Just call and pledge any amount to support this awesome outreach. The number is 888-988-5656, directly to Trans World Radio. Every penny goes towards reaching people across Africa, Nigeria in particular, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 888-988-5656 or africaneedsjesus.com. True Commentary with Stu Epperson, author of the book, Last Words of Jesus. Available now in bookstores. Learn more at lastwordsofjesus.com.